Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson uh, here with Jerry Donabedian today from Rotowire. Today is Wednesday, no, uh, December 16th. Uh, we are in the semifinals of your fantasy football playoffs, most likely. And you're trying to dig in and find any little edge you can. And when you do that, you go to RotoWire. Going to see Jerry's work is one of the best things you can do. Uh, he does the hidden stat uh, line to columns, both for the backfield as well as for uh, pass catchers as well, uh, with the backfield and then targets, routes, and snaps. He also does the streaming defense article and then exploiting the matchups later in the week. So, Jerry, you got a full plate. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, the past couple weeks uh, for my fantasy teams were pretty brutal. Then my Ravens on Monday night came up with a huge win uh, in what was one of the most entertaining, even as even if I wasn't a Ravens fan, I think that was one of the most entertaining regular season games I've ever seen. Uh, So I'm, you know, I do have a couple teams that have uh, semifinal matchups this week. So feeling pretty good. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I didn't expect Browns Ravens to be that elixir for us, but here we are. It was amazing. What a game! Yeah, the AFC North. Uh, it's changed a lot since a few years ago. Yeah, don't I know? I'm a Bengals fan. Some things have changed, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, you know, uh, you know it. it but uh, you know, I I want to say that we're on the right track, but we do have a quarterback at least. Um, yes. I, I, you know that that's I, I'm I'm all on board with what uh, Joe Burrow is doing. I'm not all on board with Zach Taylor though. That's the real problem. Yeah, you, I would 
think that he's gone after the season. Um, I mean, there's I th- the current situation with all the injuries, there's not a whole lot he could do, but there was a lot more he could have done the past year and a half. Um, as a Ravens fan, you know, I kind of hope they keep him around for another year or two, but uh, I don't think it'll play out that way. Yeah, I, the whole alienating veterans thing, you know, at first it's like, oh, okay, maybe this guy's a malcontent, but when you do it like six or seven times, okay, the problem's you, you know, and I feel like that that's where we're at with him, so... I don't know. The last two weeks have kind of, you know, I wasn't quite sure. I was like, how can you decide in two years? No, no. Uh, okay. I can see it now. It's just, you know, the last two games have been really hideous. And I understand, uh, you know, I, and I, I understand, you know, you got to put in your people and all that. And there's huge organizational hurdles, but he's part of the problem, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, after Burrow got injured, there was a lot of talk about, you know, how it was, you know, dropping back 45 times a game behind a bad O-line. It was inevitable. And I kind of defended Zach Taylor and said, well, look, they can't, they can't run the ball and they're a professional football team. They can't just, you know, they still got to try to win games, even if they're not going to the playoffs. Like you can't bubble wrap your quarterback, but I kind of thought about it a little more. I'm like, well, he's the coach and they haven't had a running game for a year and a half now. So it's like, that's, it's kind of on him, you know, in a way too. Uh, maybe, I wouldn't say it's his fault Burrow got injured, but it's definitely partially his fault that they weren't able to like move the team in a more balanced direction to where they could be doing multiple things on offense uh, rather than just throwing a million short passes. Right. And uh, it's, yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Uh, let's look at uh, what's going on in uh, the NFL. Lots of news today, starting off with the Niners. Raheem Mostert didn't practice uh, Wednesday. He's dealing with the ankle that required, uh, quote-unquote, further imaging. Results of those tests have not been revealed yet. Uh, so they were supposed to be uh, today, but so far no news on that. doesn't look uh, promising, and that's too bad because it's a great matchup this week against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the the, uh, the 49ers backfield is going to, I don't think we keep track of this, but if we did, set the single season record for most roto-wire notes for a position group. <laughs> um, it's just like any time you start to have any confidence in a guy, a knee goes, an ankle goes, uh, someone else comes into the lineup. So yeah, I mean, Jeff Wilson, the past three weeks, he's been around 40% of snap share, uh, 10 carries per game. He's been getting the third down snaps even over Jarek McKinnon. So you look at, you know, Mostert possibly being out this week or even if he does play but isn't 100% uh, and Jeff Wilson facing that Cowboys defense that we've seen give up so many huge games this year. Uh, We saw what the Ravens did to them a couple weeks ago. Kenny and Drake had that one massive game in prime time. uh, And it's sort of been hit or miss whether that Cowboys defense even shows up to play at all. Uh, And this is kind of a must-win game for both the Niners and Cowboys. So I'm looking at Jeff Wilson this week. uh, It's still not quite clear if Mostert's going to be playing or not. But I think, like, you know, I picked up Wilson in a league where I don't even need a running back at all. Like, I'm already five deep. uh, But if Mostert is out... Uh, you know, I think I'll start Wilson over Ezekiel Elliott, who's in that same game, actually. Yeah, I, it's not preposterous. I could see it. You know, it, it's here, 2020, here we're at. Right? Like, I have Wayne Gallman ahead of Zeke this week, too. I'm not thrilled with Zeke, but uh, I, I'm in a semifinal where I've got my, my current starters are Mike Davis and Ed, Clyde Edwards Alaire, but I also have Antonio Gibson and Jeff Wilson. And, you know, Gibson actually practiced today. I'm not sure how. How much he practiced, but the fact that he was out there was a little bit of a surprise. But I also have Wilson, who I was just kind of picking up. Uh, and actually, now I'm reading that he was present but didn't participate. So, okay, with Gibson. So maybe that's not, not so special. But I want to use Wilson. Now, I can use, I could use two running backs as flexes. I can flex out other people. Uh, but, 
you know, it's good to have options, but it also makes you, forces you to make some tough decisions. Like, I'm not thrilled about starting Edwards Alaire. In fact, I'm terrified of it because I know the Saints struggled last week, but that was a Jalen Hurts thing and not a they're bad against the running game thing. They're not at all. They're really good against the running game. Don't want that at all. Yeah, that's. That's an interesting for me. I was kind of looking at Edward Slayer earlier when I was starting to work on my matchup. Sorry, I mean, uh, you know, the Saints have been for a couple of years running now, great at defending the run, giving up very few fantasy points to running backs. Uh, but Edward Slayer did get a lot more of the work last week. Uh, like, you know, he'd been kind of in like a 60 40 split with Bell. And then last week it kind of went to like 80 20. Um, I think his snap share for Edward Slayer was actually his highest or second highest of the season. Uh, now that was another tough matchup at Miami. He didn't put up a ton of points, mostly through the air. But yeah, I'm kind of debating that. It's like, well, the the role is looking more like it did earlier in the season, which is good. But a road trip to the Saints is about as bad as a matchup gets for a running back. It is. It is. Unless it's the Bucks. I always feel like the Bucks are worse, but. That, that might just be recency bias. And we know Edwards Lair did nothing against the Bucks either. So uh, that that's the other thing. So I'm not thrilled about starting. I'm hoping he catches a bunch of passes. At least it's a PPR league. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's not good. Not good at all. Speaking of the Bucks, Ronald Jones uh, first had fi- uh, surgery to repair a broken pinky finger. And now he's on the COVID IR list. Uh, so he will not be playing this week. Yeah, yeah. It looks like at first it was up in the air. Um, so I guess for fantasy purposes, uh, unfortunate for Ronald and for the Bucks, but for fantasy purposes, it's a little easier. Although it's still like, you know, I mean, Fournette was a healthy scratch last week, right? And Keyshawn Vaughn was active, but didn't actually play. McCoy was a third down back and Jones got all the carries. Uh, so one one of the reporters, I think from the Tampa Bay Times, was already saying that Fournette could go right from healthy scratch to like back to being the starter and the lead back this week. But you know, are we going to know that before Sunday? Probably not. Bruce Arians hasn't been super straightforward with the running back information really? over the. <laughs> Bruce Arians, <laughs> I know, I'm a, the guy that we can trust. There, what are you talking about, Jerry? I know, I know. Andre Ellington is going to have that two thousand yard season. Any, he, <laughs> he just he just needs to get his shot, man. Yeah, um, I was going to say, if Fournette's named the starter, can you even trust him after that? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't. Who knows? Um, but yeah, they seem to. They've really avoided playing Keyshawn Vaughn. So I, it's probably one where I don't see myself like picking up or starting any of those guys in my playoff matchups this week. You know, mostly if a team has made it to the playoffs, it's not that desperate. Um, but you know, they're at Atlanta, they're probably going to put up points and we know that no matter who the running backs are, Tom Brady throws passes to his running backs. Like the, the bucks are like top five in running back target share, even though they've had Jones and Fournette and McCoy in there just dropping pass after pass and missing blocks. It's kind of been a disaster there on the passing downs in the backfield this year. Um, but you know, those, the targets and carries add up, even if you're not efficient with them. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, it, I, I mean, McCoy actually looked like he had some life left last week. Now, granted, when you get six weeks between touches, you know, you should have a little <laughs> bit left. But uh, I could see him, you know, getting a little work here and there. He, he can't pass protect very well. At least he didn't in Kansas City last year. Um, I don't know how, how good he'll be, but. Yeah, I could. Be, he serves like as just as an irritant. You know, he's like that guy. Uh, you know, that just no one will want to ever use him, but he's going to take away guy, uh, touches from someone we might want to use, and that's that's his role. Right. I would say, yeah. In terms of upside, I would think you know Fournette or Vaughn are the ones who are most likely to get carries. Uh, but we figure McCoy will you know get a few targets, be on their own passing down, steal a couple carries. 
Uh, so yeah, there's, there's no one there. I have confidence, but like, as of, you know, as of right now, if I had to pick one to start, uh, I guess I'd go with Fournette. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm not that, and I'm not really that convinced on Fournette being all that helpful. I, I, my first pass of rankings, where did I put Fournette? I put him, uh, even though I, I, I presume start, I had him at 36, uh, among running backs, yeah, you know, behind Singletary, DeAndre Washington, Philip Lindsay, ahead of Moss, uh, Zach Moss, Adrian Peterson, James White, and that's a PPR rank. That might even be high for him. I might even knock him down a couple from there too. Yeah, I mean it's kind of where I have him. Uh, he's you know flex RB three again, like you know maybe for a non playoff team you'd be excited to pick him up, but hopefully if you've made it this far you've got something better at running back. That's right. That's right. Um, so we mentioned that the uh, football team, no, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, like the first note that came out said he was at practice, uh, but then they, you know, is listed as a non-participant. And the fact that they just went and signed Lamar Miller suggests they, they're planning on being without him this week. Yeah. It looks like Ron Rivera said after practice that Gibson is looking better and that he, you know, they're not rolling him out this week, but he didn't actually participate in the practice uh, he's dealing with turf toe, which in the past has usually been at least a two or three week injury uh, for running backs, especially. So I'm not optimistic he'll play. Uh, and, you know, we saw the McKissick Barber split. I wouldn't really expect Lamar Miller to get too involved. Uh, and I think in this matchup, I liked McKissick better last week. Neither of them ended up doing a whole lot. Uh, but especially against Seattle, who's been tough on the run, uh, not so tough against the pass, although much, much better the second half of the year. Uh, I'd, you know, go with McKissick over Barber, but not not huge expectations for any of them. And then we might have Dwayne Haskins instead of Alex Smith at quarterback. Right. Uh, not to say Alex Smith is, you know, has been especially good, but he's been better than Dwayne Haskins. And he's given a ton of, like, 20-some percent of his targets have gone to McKissick. Uh, so if Haskins is in there, I'll definitely have to bump McKissick down a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm with you on that one, too. Uh, yeah, Haskins got first-team reps, though. It was interesting that Ron Rivera did say Alex Smith could not practice all week and still start. Uh, he was an observer at practice today. We'll see. It was a calf. You know, the thing is they were downplaying the injury earlier after he suffered it, which makes me think that he'll – you know, this was kind of like the standard Wednesday day off. If he misses tomorrow, well, then I think we have perhaps a problem on our hands. Yeah, I would think despite what Rivera said, um, I'm sure it's possible that he can play without practicing. But if he's not ready to practice by Friday, at least a little bit, then you would, the chances that he's going to be fine two days later. Um, you know, and I don't I mean, I don't know how you weigh various concerns. There. I mean, obviously, Washington right in the mix for a playoff race. Um, this is a huge game for them. But at the same time, it's like Alex Smith, he did have that really bad injury. He is an older quarterback. Um, and Washington can still win the division with a loss this week. So it's a big game, but it's not necessarily a must-win game. So I won't be surprised if we see Haskins for one week and then Smith comes back for Week 16. They're looking really good right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, that defense, I mean, Chase Young looked so good against the Niners. He, he's, he's for real. And, you know, Sometimes, you know, we saw this, the impact that Nick Bosa made with the Niners last year. I feel like Young is kind of that guy for the football team. Yeah, the, I mean, there are some similarities. The uh, the Washington obviously doesn't have the offense that the Niners had last year. Right. But yeah, some similarities where like they had all this, collected all this defensive talent and then brought in like the one super premium pass rushing prospect and it kind of all clicked eventually. Um, Washington doesn't have the same upside. But yeah, I mean, they're playing really well. 
Uh, and that's, you know, I mean, obviously you're starting Wilson, you're starting Lockett, Carson, Metcalf. But, you know, if you were thinking about messing around, you know, in a deeper league with any of those, David Moore, Jacob Hollister, Will Disley, Carlos Hyde type, you know, tertiary players, uh, this probably isn't going to be the week to do it, a road trip to Washington. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not even loving – I have Metcalf in a lot of my important teams, and I'm not really thrilled about it. I'm not thrilled that I have a play, playoff game with, where I've been riding Russ and, and Metcalf, and now I, I have a bad matchup for that there. So we'll see. Hopefully it's a, a Metcalf week and not a Lockett week. That's been the case more, than, more often than not lately. Yeah, it's been a while since we saw them both do well in the same game. And, yeah, the past few weeks it's even been – it hasn't, but for a while there, it was a guarantee that like one of them was going to score 30 points, it seemed like. Yeah, right. Uh, the past few weeks, they're still, you know, obviously you're still starting them. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been, hasn't been nearly as explosive. The, uh, moving on to Atlanta, they've, uh, they draw the Bucks at home this week. They, you know, Julio didn't play last week. He did not practice today due to that hamstring injury. You know, it's a, it's a night and day difference on that offense when Julio Jones plays. Yeah, Matt Ryan has, I mean, he hasn't had a very good season in general, but he's been, he's really struggled with Julio Jones out. Um, and some of the other guys, like you would think Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage um, would do better with Jones out of the lineup, but that hasn't been the case. Um, Calvin Ridley has been good with and without Jones. He's been pretty consistent producing. Um, but yeah, it sounds like, you know, Jones, they haven't ruled him out, but just seeing some of the stuff from the Atlanta beat writers and with the Matt Ryan was on Wednesday talking about, you know, how the offense changes without Jones. It sounded very much like they all expect him to miss at least one more game. Uh, and, you know, they're playing the Bucks, so we know they're going to be passing a lot. Uh, right. Good chance they'll be trailing. And, you know, the they have a brutally bad running game with that committee with Ito, Gurley, and Brian Hill against one of the top run defenses, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, so, you know, I, I, we could see, I think I wouldn't expect much in terms of like efficiency from the Atlanta passing game, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a week where you randomly see like, you know, Russell Gage with 11 targets or Hayden Hurst comes back from his uh, hibernation. Yeah. What's up with that? I mean, he, he was like a steady floor guy for like five, six, seven weeks. And now it, you know, he's had three out of the last four weeks where he's had less than 10 yards. Yeah, he's totally, I mean, yeah, he, he was, you know, for a while there, he's getting six to eight targets for a month and a half consistently. I mean, I guess that's just been the case with the tight ends this year. It's like, you know, as soon as, as soon as everyone is ready to call John Smith an every week starter, I mean, he's just gone completely missing for two months. Uh, part of that injuries, but yeah, I mean, same with Hurst. You look at Hunter Henry, like being the only guy in, on the Chargers who's not taking advantage of the Justin Herbert breakout and. Yeah, it's just been been pretty brutal there. But, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't want to be starting Hayden Hurst this week. Uh, but in terms of, like, the volume projection, if you're if you're in that tight end streaming mess, uh, I'd have him as one of the better options, I guess. Yeah, and you might have to. Like, I have Mike Kosicki, and I, I know I'm not going to have him this week. Didn't practice today. They, pretty, they haven't given the official prognosis on him, but the line that was on Monday says he will miss a game, it sounds like. I'm thinking I might just instead of going with Hurst though I might just like pick up like Adam Shaheen just straight up as the replacement there instead. Yeah, I don't. Well, will it be Shaheen or um, Durham Smythe or I think I I think it'll be a committee there. I'm not quite sure how they'll go with it. Um, another guy who's available in a lot of leagues, Irv Smith. He had a good game last week for the Vikings. Uh, we saw Rudolph have a couple good games when Irv was out with the groin injury. Uh, Rudolph then missed last week. 
Irv Smith had 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he didn't get a ton of playing time, but also remember it's his first game back from an injury. Right. This week we have the Vikings fighting for playoff spot. Uh, Rudolph mispracticed Wednesday, so it looks like he's probably going to be out again. Uh, so, and he's Irv Smith's probably available in like 85, 90% of leagues on Yahoo and ESPN. He's um, on so, 100% of my like best ball, or maybe not 100%, but he's on a heavy portion of my best ball teams and you know, was on a lot of my earlier teams and I played the weight on the tight ends game. I you know, it was like a second tight end or, you know, I grabbed a couple late, you know, and oh, that was frustrating. For a long time, he'd get the snaps, not the targets. So I just, it was really aggravating. Yeah, I got for best ball this year, I just got crushed with zeros at quarterback and tight end. Like I had so many teams that were like George Kittle and then I'd wait and grab like Chris Herndon and Irv Smith at the very end. Yeah. And then you, I mean, you're just Jordan taking Thomas. zero. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Oh gosh! And I had like ty- I had a lot of teams with Burrow as my second quarterback and Tyrod as my third quarterback. Yep. Uh, so that just you know, there's you know you're taking at least one zero on your starting QBs bye week, and if, if it's Dak Prescott, then you lost all three QBs. So that's right. That's right. I had that year with quarterbacks last year. It was brutal. Um, I think I had Big Ben and I forget who the other one was. Like an early out for the season guy. Oh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, it's it's my own fault here, but uh, I had uh, uh, Nick. Uh, God, I can't even. I'm trying. I'm I'm burying the uh, Bears quarterback, backup quarterback now. Um, Nick uh, BDN. Uh, I'm sorry. Whatever the case, uh, you know, it's it's really sad. I'm I've buried it from this the recesses of my memory. There, so bad there. But uh, are you talking about last year? Yeah, with Jackson. Was it? Oh, with Jacksonville. Um, you mean behind you? Oh, you're saying you drafted Foles and then Minshew Foles, thank got. You. Thank you. Gotcha. God, yeah, yeah. Me. It was just like this mental block. I don't know. It was, it was really. I, I, it, he hurt me apparently. But I think uh, Chicago fans wish they had the same mental block, or at least you know, and, so, so and Jacksonville fans and Ram everywhere that Nick Foles has played besides Philadelphia, Pretty they good. wish they had a mental block so they couldn't remember Nick Foles. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, this is quality. This is quality programming right here. Uh, but uh, anyhow, the the Dolphins and you broke this down uh, in the in your hidden stats article. This is a good time to bring uh, you know allude to that. But they're just just devast- decimated among their pass catching core. Gasicki got hurt. You know they they were already without Preston Williams. Jakeem Grant got hurt. Devontae Parker got hurt. They had two opt outs opt outs at the beginning of the season. So they were getting by with Lynn Bowden and Mac Hollins at the end of the game. Yeah, that I, I as of like yeah, Devontae Parker was a limited practice participant Wednesday. And earlier this year, he had like a hamstring injury where he left mid game and then played the next week. So maybe you can find some cause for optimism there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like they had Lynn Bowden playing a ton last week. Malcolm Perry, both those guys are like were option quarterbacks in college who have they've turned into slot receivers. Um, and then, yeah, Matt Collins is the number one guy on the outside. Just basically looks like you have no idea. You know, could be rotations at every position. Um, I, I for fantasy purposes this week, I think I'm just going to stay totally away from it unless we get, like, a miracle recovery from Gesicki. Uh, I think in that Patriots-Dolphins game, you're probably going to see both teams trying to run the ball a lot. Yeah, but the Dolphins don't have any running backs either. Yeah, the Dolphins really, yeah, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Um, what is, I think Salvin Ahmed might be back this week. That's also, their running back situation is just as much of a mess. Uh, it sounds like Gaskin will be out at least one more week, possibly longer. Brita got uh, taken off the COVID list today. 
you know, Breed is, yeah, uh, he's, but a, he's available. They, they don't want to use him. They've, they no, there's no. No matter what happens, they'll they'll do they'll put Malcolm Perry back at running back before they give uh, Breida carries. Durham Smythe, fullback. That's it. Anything to prevent Andrew Laird? I mean Patrick Laird uh, to get more than five touches in a game. That's what they'll do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and honestly, they're not a good run blocking team anyhow. I, I, they don't run the ball all that well anyway. So yeah, you know, I'm not. I, I'm. I haven't gone out and gotten DeAndre Washington anywhere. Um, I I did try once with Brita. That was, you know, I think I tried once with Ahmed. I, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I don't expect much out of this game. Uh, but yet Tua somehow like kept on leading the Dolphins in drives in the second half. Granted, they were trailing, so it's a little bit different. But to, it, it was a miracle cover is what it was last week for them. I don't know if they can pull that off two weeks in a row. Yeah, I think you'll see. I I would bet very few fantasy playoff matchups have any player from this Dolphins Patriots game starting maybe someone on the bench um, and maybe Miami's defense in the starting lineup but other than the Miami defense uh, maybe the Patriots defense too if the entire Miami team besides Tua is out other than that there's just not a lot to look forward to there no no I had Gasicki going last week at least he had the decency to score twice before getting hurt you know we always appreciate that when they think for the fantasy owner there <laughs> very generous of him uh, before we move on, a quick note from BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month Rotowire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's R-O-T-O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of RotoWire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 20 year, one, 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Jerry Donabedian. Jerry does our hidden stats columns, both for ball carriers and for pass catchers, does the uh, streaming defenses, does exploiting the matchups, and does a DraftKings article every week. So it's very busy. Jerry, I don't even know how you have time to write uh, to, to do this for me today. I mean, it's I appreciate you coming on board, though. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's busy week throughout the NFL season. Uh, but, yeah, always good to be talking instead of writing. You know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about uh, hidden stats with running backs. Uh, not so hidden in some cases. It's been kind of the rise of the rookies lately. After an early disappointment, Jonathan Taylor's had two good weeks in a row. Cam Akers got, has had dominant snap share the last two weeks. Uh, we, we got uh, DeAndre Swift uh, came back last week. So we're starting to see this. Uh, creeping production from the uh, rookie running backs yeah yeah the rookies it's really i mean all of those guys i think last week dobbins taylor swift and acres led their team in carries played over half the snaps uh now you know for in the case of 
um, Swift that had been happening for a couple of weeks before he got injured. Yep. Uh, but it was still good to see that it's still not clear really what was going on with him, whether it was concussions, migraines, both an illness, uh, whatever it is though, they say that he's healthy now. He got a bunch of playing time. Uh, the Detroit offense a little bit in flux. We don't know if Stafford's going to be playing or Chase Daniel this week, but they do have a good matchup against the Titans. Demons been in mostly shootouts this season. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, those guys like Cam Akers, I have as a top 10 running back this week, home game against the Jets, J.K. Dobbins, home game against the Jaguars, Jonathan Taylor facing the Texans, one of the worst run defenses in the league. Um, so those running backs, those rookie running backs have really been the big fantasy story the past couple of weeks, I think. And I think that's going to be true even more so now in fantasy semifinal week. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, tell everybody about your methodology when you're kind of looking at uh, let's start with the hidden stats for running backs first. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I do basically is I just get all of the, there's, you know, the, the main usage stats I like to look at are carries and targets, obviously, um, but also snap share and the number of routes guys are running. And then from there, I usually look at some things that kind of look at those numbers and see what might've distorted it. Right. So maybe you have a blowout like starters rested in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it says he played 45% of snaps. Really he played 60, 70% while the game's competitive. Uh, that could be a hint that more is to come in recent upcoming weeks. Um, or look at, you know, who's on the field for third and medium, third and long. That's also going to be a good hint of if the team is in negative game script, forced to abandon their running game, which running back is going to be on the field, getting those targets. Uh, and then stuff like goal line work too. Um, that's, I do think maybe people put a little too much stock in that because it's just, it's harder to predict than we'd expect. Like how many times do you see, you know, someone like Benny Snell gets two carries and one of them is a one yard touchdown just because James Conner was like too tired from, right. you know, running the ball down. So it's tough to predict, but you do see some trends, you know, some teams like the Falcons earlier this year were, Todd Gurley wasn't dominating the overall workload, but in terms of like when they got down inside the 10, five yard line, it was always Gurley in there. Um, although I wouldn't, to be clear, I wouldn't count on that anymore because the past two weeks, he only played about a third of the snaps, got less than half of the carries. They've been mixing in Edo Smith more. Uh, so that's really turned into more of a committee. Yeah. And that was cause you know, he had missed a game with the knee uh, and you know, they said they were kind of spotting him in moments here and there. Now he gets Tampa Bay. Uh, so it's like, ugh, okay. You, you get you get snapshare and exploiting the matchups. Little bonus, double uh, there. Yeah, him, but, uh, yeah. Don't don't want him. Uh, one guy that you know is getting a three down roll that people may not well, thought you know may, people might have cooled off a little bit is Mike Davis. Uh, you know, another week without McCaffrey for a couple weeks right before uh, their bye. Davis's snapshare seemed like is declining a little bit. They were using like Trenton Cannon and Rodney Smith, but they're back at it last week with Davis. Yeah, I've actually got him. I was just working on the Matt weekly start set matchups and streaming article I do, and I've got Davis in there as a start. Um, I think most people will catch on to that because he scored two touchdowns last week. Yep. Um, but also, you look at the underlying usage, as you mentioned, his snap share had dropped below 60% a few times in the past few weeks before. Last week, it went back up into the 70s, I believe 73%, a handful of targets, 11 carries, two touchdowns. And he's got, you know, that road game against the Packers. I know that that'll, you know, you have some concern of a blowout loss potentially, but like with Davis, we've seen when the, you know, when the Panthers have fallen behind in games, kind of the same thing as last year when they face those prevent defenses, they just dump it down repeatedly to the running back. Like we've seen Davis have six, seven catches in like the fourth quarter of a game alone. Uh, so I don't, don't worry as much about game script with him. 
Uh, and if they are going to keep this game in Green Bay close, we know that the weakness of that Packers team is the middle of their defense. They've struggled against the run. Uh, so there's some, some rushing upside from Davis that maybe we wouldn't see most weeks. Right. I think so, too. Uh, so uh, yeah, he, he's and we've mentioned him. We've mentioned Jeff Wilson. I, I, I don't want to you know, underestimate the point. I, and he could be huge this week if, if, if Moser doesn't play like top 10. Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, just like when I'm looking at the rankings this week um, and just looking at like some of my decisions on my fantasy teams, I'm like, yeah, you you know, like, I don't think I would start a Jeff Wilson or Cam Akers maybe over like Josh Jacobs, but I don't know, it's pretty close. I, like if Mostert doesn't play, I would start both those guys um, and also Dobbins, Swift, that whole rookie gang. We discussed, it's, you know, I'd start all of them over in Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and, you know, a couple other veterans, you know, someone like James Conner, uh, you know, time to bench him if you've got other options. Like the Steelers, they're not, they don't really run the ball. And then this past week we saw Jalen Samuels get a bunch of playing time. So Conner is just like, you know, you're risking getting stuck with only one or two fantasy points if you start him. Right. And he's dealing with, he picked up a quad injury just to make things worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no confidence at all. I'm lower. I, I admit I'm pretty low on Jacobs this week. I think I've gotten like 19 or 20. My first set of rankings. I'll probably bump him up a couple of spots, but he, he's dealing with the ankle this week. Forget about the Instagram thing. That was just dumb. <laughs> you know, it, it it's not fun to deal with that either, though. I mean, and I, I it's a shame too because I kind of like the matchup against the Chargers. Yeah, I actually I'm a little bit higher on Jacobs this week. Um, I think that I think that'll be a close game. Which I think works in his favor that he'll get more playing time carries. Obviously, the the Raiders are basically. I mean, I don't think they can technically be eliminated with a loss, but if they lose, they're not making. There's they're not getting in if they don't win this game. Uh, so I think you know I think they're gonna. He even if his ankle is a little bit less than 100, percent I think they'll ride him pretty hard. And I think that Chargers defense it's been pretty soft, especially against the run. A little bit better against the pass, um, and you know, plus they're the Chargers, so there's always like. There'll be there'll be some special teams disaster, some horrible turnover that sets up the Raiders for like a three yard touchdown drive type thing. Um, it just you know the Chargers they don't they're not that bad on offense, they're not that bad on defense, but they still just end up giving up a lot of points somehow anyway. That's true. Uh, you noted that James Robinson usually tops the chart uh, for usage every week. Last week was different; only fifty six percent of the snaps, uh, twelve carries, four targets. It was a blowout loss, though, and he was limited in practice all week last week. Uh, I don't think it's a changing of the guard so much as just let's preserve this guy. Yeah, there were. I would say there are two things going on there. They did use um, Agun Boale a little bit more on passing downs than they had in previous weeks, but up until through three quarters of that game, Robinson played like seventy percent of snaps. So you see that his snap share was down in the fifties. You see a Zigbo got carries. That was all garbage time. A Zigbo didn't didn't come in the game at all until the fourth quarter. So Rob, I think Robinson had every single one of their running back carries before the fourth quarter. However, he did lose a little more work on passing downs, like we said, and he does have a road trip to Baltimore this week, 13 point underdog, very good defense. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're putting James Robinson on your bench. You look at the talent and the workload. He's put up nice numbers in tough matchups repeatedly this year. Uh, I still have him like as a borderline top 10 running back, but you know I mean? He was like a usually fifth or sixth in the weekly rankings pretty consistently the past two months. Uh, 
And between the matchup concern and that tiny little bit of like losing a little more work at the end of the season concern, I do think it bumps him down to kind of the borderline RB1, RB2. Maybe if you have a really stacked team where you happen to stumble into like Cam Akers, some guys and a J.K. Dobbins, maybe you do bench him. I don't know. Um, this this might be heresy here, but I, I'm not th- not really that worried about the matchup. No offense, uh, but their their interior offense, the defensive line for the Ravens has been so banged up. I just don't think they're the same defense that they were earlier in the year. Yeah, that's true. They have shown more vulnerability to the run in recent weeks. Uh, certainly on Monday against the Browns, uh, we saw both Chubb and Hunt have fantastic games, uh, and the Browns really on offense were able to knock the Ravens off the line repeatedly and dominate in that facet of the game, at least. So, yeah, I, I think you're, I, you know, maybe it's James. And like I said, Robinson has put up good numbers in tough matchups before, and it probably helps. Not that Minshew is anything special, but I do think he's a little better than Glennon, certainly better than Jake Luton. Uh, so that he has that working in his favor a little bit. You know, competent QB play can only help. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's not like uh, Jacksonville has Cleveland's offensive line, too. Let, let's not forget that Cleveland is one of the best run blocking lines out there. So that has something to do with it, too. Um, any other running backs you want to highlight before we move on to pass catchers? Uh, I mean, I really like Dobbins this week. I mentioned him. I think, you know, he didn't have a he didn't have a monster game the way Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers did. So it might have flown a little bit under the radar. And because there were so many other things going on in uh, that Ravens Browns game. Uh, but Dobbins played about two thirds of the snaps, got over half of the RB carries. Uh, that's been, he, we saw him a few weeks back have a similar type game where he really got most of the work. It's been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, but Mark Ingram, actually, he started that game last week, the Monday game, and he did not play a single snap afterward. I guess that was just to, like, I don't know, give him the on his stat sheet or whatever. When he looks back when he's retired, he can say, you know, I made. Yeah. One, 117 starts instead of 116 or whatever. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it was Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And then Justice Hill played on third and long. That was, and that was about it. And in terms of the running split, it was like two thirds Dobbins, one third Edwards. And we even saw Dobbins score a short touchdown. Um, I believe it was a one yarder and that two point conversion, the memorable play at the end of the game where he barreled through the defender to give the Ravens a seven point lead. So in previous weeks it had been Gus had been getting more of the goal line work. Now he did score two touchdowns last week, but both were from outside the 10 yard line, That's true. Uh, which is the kind of thing that we look at in hidden stat line to sort of, you know, you might see a guy has two touchdowns. The other running back has zero and think, Oh, he's the goal line guy. Um, but I wouldn't, and I wouldn't say Dobbins is the goal line guy. I would just say it's uncertain that if there's a one yard rushing touchdown for the Ravens, it could be Jackson, it could be Edwards, it could be Dobbins. We don't really know, which is probably looking back three or four weeks ago for Dobbins, it's probably better than the prognosis we would have given. It seemed like he was really getting work between the twenties only. Any guy you want to highlight as a warning, a guy you don't like this week? I think I think I mentioned Todd Gurley already, yeah. um, and but another guy I don't really like who I think is being started by most teams he's on is Melvin Gordon. Um, I think he's done he's done like just barely enough so that most fantasy managers don't bench him. But he hasn't. I think he's had since Philip Lindsay came back. I think Gordon has had like one actual good game and a bunch of like subpar but still had six eight point type games. 
This week he's facing the Bills, who in terms of like the stats have not been a great run defense this season. Uh, but their defense in general has been playing really well lately. Like It's come a long way since September. It looks like the defense we saw last year, at least more like it. Uh, and the Bills, since their bye in Week 10 or Week 11, they've held three straight opponents under 100 rushing yards. None of them even came close. Uh, I know Denver looked pretty good last week at Carolina, but I I don't think they're going to get much going against the Bills this week. I think that game's going to be a blowout. Yeah, both both uh, running backs uh, are banged up. You know, Gordon's got the shoulder, and Lindsey's had a number of injuries. He was, uh, you know, Gordon didn't even practice in the estimated practice report yesterday. I don't know what today's uh, report was just yet, but uh, and then Lindsey uh, was limited in his own right. I think he had a hip issue, so. You know, it's you know they're 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 definitely limping into this one here for sure. Uh, let's move on to pass catchers. Yeah, you, know, you do you do this hidden stat lines for pass catchers as well. A uh, couple of interesting names to me in terms of usage: Logan Thomas, ninety eight percent snap share last week. Yeah, Tom. I mean, that, yeah, he's just been consistently on the field running a lot of routes. The production per route per target has you know it hasn't been good all year. Um, but it has been better with Alex Smith at quarterback. Like it was the first six weeks of the year, he was like below five yards per target. Uh, since then, it's at least been decent. I put him. He's to me. He's like a. He's above like a Hayden Hurst. Like he's a. You know, I don't feel great starting him, but I feel a little bit better. Um, I do hope in that case that Alex Smith will play. Um, and you know, Seattle's defense has been playing well, so it's not. It's not like a great matchup that I feel great about, but he'll be on the field. He'll be running routes. There's a good chance they're going to be throwing the ball a bunch because Antonio Gibson is out, uh, and they're going to be facing that Seahawks team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Another name, Cole Komet. Quietly has been getting a lot of of snaps. He got 85% snap share, had seven targets last week. Yeah, he's got seven targets in back-to-back weeks now for the rookie. Uh, and Jimmy Graham, has re- he's really taken over Jimmy Graham's role. Um, Graham still will play a little bit like on third downs. Uh, and he did score a touchdown last week. But yeah, in terms of the snaps, two weeks in a row with Kmet getting more snaps, more routes, more targets than Graham. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's on that streaming map again. Who knows what you'll get. Uh, but he's a guy who even in some deeper leagues might still be available now. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm sure he is. So another another alternative if you're the Gasicki guy, uh, you know that that's someone else you could probably turn to this week. So uh, it's always kind of good to know that. Let's go to uh, receivers though, because that's where it kind of where, where it's, this is really at, where there you can find some uh, make some hay every given week. I thought it was interesting. Darius Slayton's been a, a huge bust lately, but he had eight targets last week. Now they're bad targets. Uh, but 106 air yards too. You know, is it possible we're we're on the verge of maybe him, you know, playing against a Browns team that's been without Ward for the last few weeks and gave up a lot, you know, very vulnerable defense. Maybe this is a week, you know, he he produces after letting everybody down for so long. Yeah, I'm actually I've kind of been thinking the same thing, but the the, the game log for him is so bad that it's just it's tough to actually commit to starting him. Um, but he has been, yeah, in terms of the usage, there have been a couple promising things. Like you mentioned, 100-plus air yards last week. 
eight targets. Uh, and for the second week in a row, he got more snaps and more routes than Sterling Shepard. Uh, the Giants have been messing around a little bit with more two tight end formations, not just being a team that runs 11 personnel all the time. Um, and actually using some three tight end formations. And then when they've done that, it's typically been Slayton on the field and Shepard and Tate going off. Uh, so, you know, he might have a couple more opportunities than Shepard in terms of routes. But it does seem that, and obviously more deep chances, Shepard doesn't really get anything downfield. I mean, my preference is to just stay away from the Giants offense totally, except maybe Wayne Gallman. But certainly like in a deeper format, if I am going to be looking at those Giants receivers, uh, I think I would go Slayton over Shepard. Whereas I think people might look at the game log and go with the opposite. But I think especially looking at how vulnerable the Browns have been to big plays, I think you know Slayton could do it this week. Uh, it would help if Daniel Jones plays again, which isn't clear, but should know by Sunday morning, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, what version of Daniel Jones are we going to get? Are we going to get another statue Daniel Jones, in which case, why bother? Or are we going to get a mobile Daniel Jones, which actually has a chance to survive? Yeah, that's true, really. I don't I, is a Is a beat-up Daniel Jones better than a healthy Colt McCoy? Probably not. It's pretty close, that's for sure. Pocket awareness, not exactly his strength. If he has to stay <laughs> no. in the pocket, then that seems like that'd be problematic. Uh, meanwhile, other side of that game. Last week, uh, and I'm, I'm giving giving away the answer, and you already probably knew this but because you actually do this column, but I just sorted with this. Calvin Ridley led the NFL in air yards with 209. Stephon Diggs was second with 174. Okay, fine. Tyreek Hill, fourth. Okay, wait, we skipped Third? Third? Donovan Peoples-Jones, 149 air yards, five targets, uh, you know, not a tremendous amount of target share, but 35 routes. You know, he's their third receiver right now. Uh, Dot, uh, Carell Hodge is out, and, you know, obviously OBJ is out. Peoples-Jones, uh, last round pick uh, this year, maybe kind of interesting. Yeah, I think I like him as, as maybe a sleeper for next year, but I'm a little... Um, you know, he did get, he had, I think he got four of his five targets or three of his four targets went 20 plus yards downfield against the Ravens. He caught a couple of those, um, looked really good, but it's still, you know, he, he got more playing time because they were, you know, they were trailing for a lot of the second half. It was kind of a, a shootout type game where the teams were throwing a little more. Um, I think the Browns philosophically would rather be using more multi-tight end formations, less of the three wide stuff. Uh, and, playing against the Giants this week, you know, I think it'll be a competitive game, but I think they'll be able to, you know, kind of stick to more of what they want to do, not get pulled away from that. And I think that's going to mean we're going to see more playing time for Nyoku um, and for Bryant, the tight ends, maybe Austin Hooper, if he plays. I just, I, with people's Jones, I just worry that it'll have like a, you know, zero catch on one target type game and not play that many snaps. Yeah. Uh, the way, reason why I thought he might be involved a little bit more is, you know, Bradbury might like shadow Landry, for instance, and then or Higgins, one of those two. So they have to go to the third receiver more often. But, you know, you're right. You, they may just want to run it more. They may want to hit their tight ends. Now, we'll see if Hooper plays. Hooper was out last week. That might also contribute a little bit to the volume that Peoples Jones and Higgins both got. Yeah, I think of those of all those guys, uh, Higgins is the one that I would, you know, I mean, Landry obviously is ahead of the rest of them by a mile, but. Uh, you know, for from looking for like a flexor WR three for a deeper league, uh, I think you know Higgins maybe not going to get as deep of looks as Peoples Jones, but I think you're a little bit safer in terms of at least he's going to see three or four targets. 
what's more important uh, when you're looking at this? Is it targets, target share, air yards? What is the first thing you look at when you're looking at like hidden stats trying to f- identify maybe a sleeper? Well, target share, I think, is the thing that becomes stable most quickly. It's like the stickiest thing. Uh, so that that usually, especially early in the year, um, or if there's like a big change on a team. So like when the Browns had OBJ suffer the season-ending injury, right? Through the, then they played a few games, um, and Landry did nothing. It was back, remember they had like three games in a row where there were like 30 miles per hour wins off Lake Erie, and they were just hideous games. Baker Mayfield threw like less than 20. So Landry didn't do anything, but his target share was up around 30%. Um, and usually target, you know, that tends to be more predictive. Um, and then we've seen since then that he's been very productive, um, come out of that slump. Uh, so target share, I think is the biggest thing, but you know, if one guy is getting seven targets and they're an average of five yards downfield and the other is getting seven targets and you know, the a dot is 14, then usually unless the guy who's getting those really short ones is like a Cooper cup, um, then I'm going to want the guy who's getting them deeper downfield. It's just on average going to be more points out of that. Um, especially if you're in a non, in a non PPR format, that's like very, very true in PPR. Um, you know, you may be a little bit closer. Right. A lot of weather on the East Coast right now. Uh, something to watch for. It's Wednesday, so I usually try not to get too worked up about it. But, hey, if you're looking to try to make a pickup, you want to pick up somebody you can use, and then you find out on Friday, oh, wait, there's a Nor'easter hitting New York or, you know, uh, hit, hitting uh, anything else on the East Coast. You're kind of like, ah, okay. But, uh, you know, obviously Cleveland's, as you alluded to, three games that were just absolutely trashed because of the winds and the weather there. Yeah, it actually, um, I'm in Baltimore, and we just got our first snowfall of the year. Uh, I think the weather in Baltimore is actually supposed to be pretty good this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think it's, gonna be, it's supposed to be like 40s, low wind. Um, yeah, I usually, I say, I usually don't look at DFS prices or weather until like Thursday midday. I feel like you know, I like to have the. Uh, I mean, with weather, it's just the closer you get, the more accurate the predictions are. Right, of course. And with like the the DFS stuff, it's like. By you know, I like to at least have seen the second batch of injury reports before I like commit to doing all this work, and then I have to cross half of it out anyway. Yeah, that, that's a, that's just a really good point. Uh, how did you get into fantasy football and like writing about fantasy football? Because I know you do a ton of stuff for us. What got you started? How that's a good question. Um, so I think I've been playing. I've been playing fantasy football since I was in high school, probably sophomore year. Um, and I'm 30 now, so it's about I've been playing for about 15 years. Then okay. um, I went to University of Wisconsin, which is in Madison, which is where the RotoWire office is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just saw like a posting online uh, about the you know company looking for interns, and I was like, well, I play fantasy football, I like to write, um, and I started doing it. And yeah, I've just been you know writing and working with RotoWire ever since then. Um, I don't know if I have like. A, baseball really when I was younger was like my first love. Um, so I think that was what really got me into the statistics and the number side of it. Um, and like, I, I would, I would like enjoy like looking at stats on baseball cards almost as much as I'd enjoy watching actual baseball games. So I think I was always like destined to be someone who had, uh, more fantasy football teams than they could keep track of. Yeah. Same here, except 49, not 30. Uh, is the only difference. And the amount of data that I had when I was in high school wasn't nearly as much at my fingertips. There was no internet back then. 
Um, so that, 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 that's, if that, you want to blow your mind about that, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I first really kind of discovered the internet when I was in law school. Um, but it's, I think I may have heard about it when I was in college, but I graduated in 93. So it gives you a point of reference there. Uh, it's cool. Well, uh, I want, let's any other, uh, I, I know I kind of sidebar there. Any other wide receivers or pass catchers you want to target good or bad in terms of matchups or target share? Um, one guy I am excited about on every level, you know, target share, the quality of targets, the matchup, Brandon Ayuk. Um, he's been putting up over, he scored 17 and a half or more PPR points in five straight games. It's maybe gone a little bit unnoticed because he's been like in, you know, between he had a COVID list absence, the Niners had a late bye week. Um, so I think it's maybe gone a little unnoticed. I think people maybe have caught on now after we had this huge game in the past week. But Debo Samuel, uh, hamstring injury out of the lineup again. The 49ers basically said he's not going to be back unless they make the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, Ayuk is he's going to be seeing a ton of targets over these next three weeks. And he gets to start that off with a trip to Dallas, playing that defense that seems to just not show up whatsoever about two-thirds of the time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about Brandon Ayuk this week. Even knowing that, like the Dallas defense is going to come in and know that's where the ball's going, I think he'll have a very strong game. Well, he's he's a little similar to Debo in so much that they'll hand him the ball too. You know, they find ways to get the ball in his hands, and maybe not, or they'll throw more bubble screens, perhaps instead of like jet sweeps or anything like that. But fact is, they want the ball in his hands. So even if like the game flow is like to try different, uh, you know, crazy running plays, well, he'll still be involved in that too. Yeah, he's been getting he's been getting some of the stuff they do with Samuel, those ones that are basically a free point, you know, yep. the the toss forward or the bubble screen and then whatever yardage you get as a bonus. But hey, for fantasy, it's, you know, hey, you get at least one point. Um, and then he also gets some downfield stuff, which is an element of that I think Debo Samuel does have in his game, but that we haven't really seen the 49ers take advantage of, partially just because he's been hurt all this season um, and Ayuk has been handling it. But yeah, he's kind of showing maybe he can be that complete, uh, you know, intermediate, deep, and short game wide receiver. So to be determined on that. But what I know for this week is he's going to get a lot of targets against a bad defense, and he's been playing well. Right. Uh, on the flip side, uh, anybody you want to avoid this week? Uh, DJ Shark, although I think most people are, he burned me last week. I was, I used him in DFS. I wrote about him and explaining the matchups. Um, I even started him in like a season long league where I had some pretty good alternatives on the bench. Um, but yeah, this week the Jaguars going to Baltimore. Um, and I'm kind of just Chark. He's had a couple huge games this year, but I'm just, you know, in a tough matchup. Uh, I know he's still their number one receiver. Like when I, you know, I do the hidden stat line and look at, you know, he's getting the targets, he's on the field a ton, but it's just not happening for him. It's not happening for anyone in that Jags offense besides James Robinson this year. And a, a trip to Baltimore, again, like you mentioned, the middle of that Baltimore defense has been more vulnerable recently. Um, but it looks like Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, the cornerbacks, are both going to be able to play. So Chark's going to have a tough matchup there. Yeah. And at least I'll have Minshew. I think that's a big difference. Uh, I, I think Glennon was utterly incapable of getting it to Chark, but 
you know, maybe Minch you can, but yeah, I, I share your pessimism and I feel horrible. I told, I gave people bad advice. I told them to start Shark in a couple of different cases where, you know, I had him like 18 in my rankings among wide receivers. And clearly he was not wide receiver 18. He was not wide receiver 28 or 38. He was not good. It wasn't him. It's the Jaguars quarterbacks. They had nine targets, but most of those targets were poor. Yeah, he'll be he'll be pretty high on the list, I think, next year of bounce back candidates. Like when you to the naked eye when I've watched the Jaguars, I haven't seen anything that looks different from last year. Um he it looks like he still gets separation. He's still very big, he's still very fast. Um and I haven't like noticed a ton of drops or anything. Um although granted when I see you know, next year, who knows, next year for the Jaguars, it could be I mean, I think mostly we're assuming they're going to draft a quarterback, probably Justin Fields or someone like that in the top five. Um, but it could be a mess in Jacksonville again. It could very well be. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up today. Jerry, where can everybody get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, best way is on Twitter. Uh, my handle is just my name, Jerry Donabedian. Uh, if you search J E R R Y D O N A B, you'll get it. I won't spell the whole thing out. Um, or just. If you go on rotowire.com and go to the football section, um, you'll see my stuff. Like you said, the streaming defenses, hidden stat line. Uh, over the next two days here, I'll have exploiting the matchups coming out, uh, which also has some streaming picks, some of those tight ends like we talked about. Uh, and then on Fridays, my last thing I do every week is the DFS tournament guide. All right. Very good. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. We got uh, Mario and John tomorrow. Uh, please, as always, subscribe rate and review we and, and go uh if you are so inclined to uh bet online go and you're in one of those states that allows you please patronize or sponsor bet mgm uh and it helps pay the bills for that so we can have these podcasts thanks again everybody for listening have a great day the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.